You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. approach now, 200 metres left to run. Captain Nemo shakes off better than Diamond, sweeping around them deeper. Cash ass back, Bitcoin even wider. Roll your ass is about to go to the inside. They're into the home straight. Captain Nemo shows the way. Roll your ass trying to pick up on the inside. Deeper Bitcoin. Captain Nemo still in front. Fights them all off, Captain Nemo, and takes them all the way. Captain Nemo, roll your ass. Certainly wasn't a feature race, but it was a pretty special week for Angus Garrard, of course, driving that horse to victory in the famous Ducks colours. And Chris Barsby is with us. How are you, Chris? I'm well, Steve. Good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Yes, and Angus is with us now. Mr. 500 himself. Angus, good morning. Congratulations. Morning, Chris. Thank you. Big, big moment. One that you won't uh, forget to any time soon. Yeah, that's right. You know, it was... Um pretty special to clock up 500 it's come quick as well yeah you know um a lot quicker than i sort of expected early on but um you know i've had a lot of good support from a lot of people and uh, a lot of opportunities so um you know i've been pretty lucky well just outline uh, to our listeners is this your second full season of driving uh, yeah, I think so. Second or third. I, I think I had my first drive in um, maybe June 2019. So I think I nearly three and a half years. So, um, yeah, I think it might be three full seasons, but, um, yeah. That's an extraordinary amount of success, though. 500 winners in a, in a short space of time. Steve made the point yesterday that we are racing a, a lot more compared to previous times but still it, it's a lot of work it's a lot of dedication and, a, and it's a lot of concentration as well yeah that's right you know it's um all the drivers up here are all sort of pretty flat out you know we race nearly every day and you know most of us are sort of working horses or working for someone or something like that in the mornings as well so you know it is a lot of travel and it's a lot of driving and you know you you sort of know about it at the end of a week, but, um, you know, it makes it all worth it. We've got our man Darren Clayton on the job to find out if you've established a new record, quickest driver to get to 500. So do you know who sort of holds the record if it's not you now? Um, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I know when I was in Sydney there um, a month and a bit ago, we were... Um, Luke McCarthy and Chris Geary and a few of us were sort of talking and um, I think Luke and Chris both clocked 500 at, at uh, I think it was 20 in a month. So um, I, I beat that, but I'm not sure if there was anyone that did it quicker. Okay. What about Pete McMullen? Would he be in that sort of conversation? Oh, I'm sure he would be. Um, he definitely got to 1,000 the quickest. I know that. So... Um, I'm not sure how quick he got to 500, but it'd definitely be um, close. Okay. That being said, then, if he's the quickest to 1,000, is that within your reach? To, can you can you break his record to, to become the first or the youngest driver to reach 1,000 wins? Oh, it's definitely something I'd like to do. Um, I mean, I, I think if if I can keep going at the rate I am at the moment, I think I can get close, but... Um, 
of course I need to sort of keep up at the speed I am at the moment and are even a bit quicker to try and get there. Okay. A couple of obvious questions. Biggest highlight so far uh, amongst those 500 victories? Uh, I think probably that first group two win on South Fahrenheit. That was pretty, um, that was pretty special. Okay. Is there a low light that you've had so far? Is there something that you look back on and say, could have done that better? Um, not really. I mean, um, I mean, you always throw in a bad drive or whatever and think, geez, I stuffed up there. But, um, you know, try not to dwell on it, I suppose. And, you know, it's no good thinking about it um, after it's happened. So just try and fix it next time. Okay. Is that the mindset that you attack each and every meeting? You know, you're just looking at the very next race and you just focus on that and then it's on to the next one? Yeah, for sure. I definitely think you can get sort of... Um, you can get sort of sucked into a bad mindset if you sort of dwell on things too much. So um, just sort of try and take each race as it comes and drive what's in front of you at the time. Angus, that's an interesting question. So just take us through a normal race today. Say you've got a, a drive in every race. What are you actually doing between races? You're help, helping the stables gear up for the next lot sort of stuff, the horses you're driving? Yeah, it, it just depends, you know. Um, we, we can sort of tend to have pretty long gaps. So, you know, sort of... By the time you come off the track and help ungear a bit and then might sort of run into someone walk around your next drive or whatever and just talk about anything, you know, it's never sort of specifically racing, but, um, you know, not sort of thinking about too much until you're actually sort of there and might have a chat to the trainer and see what they think or see what they, how the horse is and things like that. But, you know, it's sort of, I'd sort of like to just... Um, sort of switch on, you know, when we're, when we're sort of about to score up sort of thing, you know. Mm. Try, well, try and sort of keep my mind out of it a little bit until we're actually sort of in the run and then just drive what's there. We replayed that race that you won during the week to bring up the 500 in the Ducks colours. I noticed the sulky there, the sulky wheels were quite a bright blue colour. How much difference are the, some of these different sulkies that you're driving in at the moment? Are they all very similar or some a bit different? Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a fair few different ones going around. I sort of, um, I, I've got sort of a few of my own, so I, um, I tend to use them on sort of probably 99% of my drives. So I'm sort of driving in the same bikes all the time, but I mean, there's probably, geez, there'd be a lot of different styles of bike you can get now. Yeah. And where, where do they normally come from? Um, just depends, you know, there's, um, well, we... Garrard's has got, you know, a blackout. Um, so I, I use that one and, you know, there's there's a few models that come from the States that they ship in over here. And um, I know there's at least one in Melbourne that gets made down there. So, um, yeah, they're sort of anywhere and everywhere. Mm. And the, that one you drove, that winner with the blue wheels, uh, is that are they all sort of a similar weight, are they? Um, yeah, so that, that one I drove, uh, the winner on Tuesday, that, that's like, it, it's close, if it's not spot on 19 kilos, it's only just over with everything on it, so wheels. That's incredible, see. isn't it? A lot, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, including me, think, you know, just had assumed they were heavier than that. Yeah, definitely used to be, you know, when, when the American bikes first came in, they were sort of, 
they were real heavy, you know, the, the Harmers or the Evolutions were sort of the first ones to come out. And um, they were extremely heavy. They were getting up in like 35 kilos, 38 kilos sort of thing. Is there much maintenance involved with them between meetings, stuff like that? Oh, mainly just bearings and stuff um, in the wheels more more than anything else. Um, <laughs> to be honest, a lot of us probably don't look after them as good as we should for what they're worth. But, um, but yeah, ma- mainly just bearings and stuff like that. You know, they're, they're sort of pretty well put together, these bikes. And what sort of air pressure do you put on the tyres on them? Um, I, I use a, a different tyre on mine, and I know Peter McMullen uses the same. They use a bit skinnier tyre, and they're more like a bike tyre. They take sort of 80 to 100 PSI. They're sort of pretty rock hard and pretty skinny. Jeez. So, um, <laughs> they take plenty. Yeah, well, my, my, I've got a four-wheel drive. I put, like, 50 in it. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Back and, to you. and what are they worth? Uh, bikes? Yeah. Um, so I, I think the Cobra, which is the ones I use, I think they're, I think they're four and a half without wheels. They might be three and a half without wheels. Um, but yeah, then, then you sort of get to top end of the market is sort of the, the super spiders. They're probably, they're between sort of nine and 10,000 without wheels. What about seat adjustment? Is there any room there for movement? Um, so the Cobras have got a, a set seat position. It's sort of they're set so the seat is only in one spot and that's sort of the perfect balance point of the gig and then the foot pegs move. Um, but most of the other bikes, yeah, you can adjust foot yeah, pegs and seat. different height and sizes and things, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, the other thing, uh, Angus, that I wanted to ask about, the Bodger Young Drivers' Championship started last night here at Reclive. You're at top of the leaderboard, but just looking ahead, so we've got second round of action tomorrow at Albion Park. It concludes on Sunday at Marburg. You, you've got a task on your hand, in my opinion, to hold on to that lead. Yeah, it's certainly not going to be easy. Um, you know, I've sort of... I'm, pretty happy with picking up my ultimate victor there tomorrow uh, tomorrow um even though he's sort of not drawn ideally he's racing well and certainly a drop back in grade from what he raced last week but um you know we'll just have to see where we can get to with the others you know to try and pick up as many points as we can all right uh saturday night trotter's christmas cup you're driving indefensible he's shooting for three in a row is this within reach on Saturday night for him? Yeah, I think so. I, I think if he races up to his last two runs, he's definitely in it. Um, he's certainly come back a lot better this time and he feels like a lot better horse again. So um, he, he needs a few things to go his way, um, as always. But uh, if the races run the suit and he gets the right sort of trip, he can definitely take it. Both wins have been at 2,138 metres. Saturday night, 2,600 metres. Is he a little susceptible at the longer trip? Oh, I, I don't think so. Um, probably the only factor is that the longer trip sort of brings the back markers into it a little bit more, I'd say. But uh, I, I really don't think the long trip should worry him. He's sort of he's not a weak horse, and he's sort of not a really high speed horse either. So realistically, it probably should suit him a little more, to be honest.
Okay. And Manila Playboy, you sat behind him at the trials during the week. Uh, he, he looked sharp to the eye. Did he feel sharp? Yeah, he was really good, Chris. Um, he, he certainly felt good. Um, hopefully, look for a race now for him. Okay, good signs there. A couple of other quick ones, just on the driving. The fact that you're, uh, you know, uh, on the board with 500 victories. Um, as a kid growing up, who who was the the driver that you looked up to most? Um, I probably wouldn't say it was any one driver, but uh, it was probably a whole bunch there. You know, like. Luke McCarthy was obviously one, and you know Matthew Nielsen. I sort of grew up with him driving all Dad's horses and all the horses in the family. So um, he was definitely one. But you know Dale Graham, Kylie Rasmussen, you know Mark Purden, Gavin Lang, Chris Alford. You know there's heaps of them. All those top drivers that you always watch and sort of try and pick up little bits of what they do and put it into practice. Okay, and just to follow on to that. The drivers' colony right now here in Queensland looks looks really competitive. Is it is it like that out on the track? Is it is it tough going out there? Yeah, hundred percent. It's definitely not easy. You know, we've got a lot of good drivers up here, and there's a big pool of drivers too. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely tough racing and um, very competitive racing. Angus, do you normally wear gloves when you drive? You did the other day. Yeah, yeah, I do all the time. Um, I, I probably didn't for the first six months or so um, when I started driving, but just driving more, you know, I've actually sort of got pretty ordinary hands, to be honest. Like, they cut up pretty bad if I don't sort of look after them. So, um, yeah, I, I wear gloves all the time. Mm. It must be so different, Chris and Angus, um, just, you know, watching harness racing when I grew up, you know, what, particularly during that, that wonderful era that we often talk about, the 80s and 90s and so on, and going to the trots and watching the drivers were quite aggressive, you know, with the whip and watching the style now. I just wonder with some of those more mature-age drivers how difficult it is when they've got the whip but they can't they can't sort of use it. Like even that, that horse on uh, that you drove the ducks is you hardly did anything on it, did it? Just threw the reins at it, basically, and gave its best... Angus. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, the breed's definitely changed. You know, the um, horses definitely don't sort of cop the whip like they used to, and they're probably not as tradesman-like as they used to be. You know, they're sort of probably more like thoroughbreds. They're probably a little more highly strung than they used to be, and they're sort of more speedy and um, sort of don't take as much of a liking to the whip. So um, sort of try and just use it as little as possible really and sort of urge them and hit the shaft and just use your voice and stuff like that. Mm. How loud is it when, you, when you're hitting that, um, you know, the sulky with the whip there? How much of a noise does it make? Oh, you can get it to crack pretty loud. But, um, can you hear it, Chris, up there where you are? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, even though you're not too high these days. Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that'll happen. I've, I've got to ask the question. Um, Norwell's now been announced, Angus. Uh, what size track would you like to see built there? Because uh, you're going to be one of the uh, the prime users of this new uh, facility. So what size track would you like to see go in? Uh, definitely something a bit bigger. Um, I, I really like the idea of the 1,200-metre track with the chute. Um, if that can be sort of... If, if that can be done, I really think that brings sort of a point of difference to it um, and I mean at the same time 
you can sort of, if you're racing on a 1,200-metre track with a shoot, I think that sort of works out pretty much the same as, you know, or similar to racing on a mile track anyway. Um, but I do think it's still not too big that it makes for long-distance racing boring. Um, but I think that would be a really good um, way forward to sort of keep the racing exciting. It's not, track's not too big, but the long-distance racing gets boring, um, like it can be at Menangle, but we can still sort of pump out some fast miles um, on a nice track that's big enough. Okay. Well, really appreciate the time. Again, congratulations. 500 victories on the board. That came on Tuesday aboard Camp for Nemo. Here's to the next 500. No worries. Thanks, Chris. Angus Garrard joining us. Chris, Chris, just some thoroughbred news. Very, very tragic thoroughbred news I've got to pass on. Uh, Mick Gearan reports it's with a very heavy heart, a report that South Island apprentice jockey Megan Taylor has died after a race fall at Ashburton earlier today. Two jockeys involved in the same fall. Uh, heartbreaking for the racing industry are obvious thoughts with Megan's family and friends. So a jockey has passed as a result of a race fall in New Zealand earlier today. That lady's name is Megan Taylor. Chris, uh, Wayne Graham is our next guest here. Thanks to Garrards. Yeah, I, I just want to uh, outline as well. I didn't ask those two guys we had on yesterday, Justin Elkins and Zach Chabot, what size track they want uh, to be built there at Norville. I did flick him a text and ask them both. Uh, Justin is happy to go with the 1,000 metres and Zach would like a mile track. So same size as the Meadowlands over in uh, in uh, North America. I want to get the thoughts of uh, Wayne Graham. He joins me now. Wayne, appreciate the time. Yep, no worries, Chris. What size track would you like to see built at Norwell? Is it up to us or whatever um, the best turnover uh, is? Just just your opinion. What size track does Wayne Graham want built? Um, I, I think the thousand's big enough. Um, like I heard um, Angus before saying about the twelve hundred or a bit more. But um, like, if, if you watch on a twelve hundred metre track, you got to have binoculars, or you just watch them on TV because you can't see them down the back straight. Um, it gets to me. I, I'm not a lover of mile racing. Um, I will admit it's, um, you know, best horses, yeah, get to the front. No one makes a move because you can't. Um, but I, I, I think a thousand, it's, it's big enough. Um, the crowd can still see them down the back without using bloody binoculars. Um, and and I, I think it's you're up at that little bit closer. You know, like I, I, yeah. we've gone to an angle a few times and, you know, I'll, yes, I'll definitely try and watch them, but I think you'd have the back straight. And I'll first admit, maybe my eyesight isn't the best, but uh, I get over the back straight. And, you you know, you can't see them. You end up watching the TV. And then uh, when they sort of straighten foam and about halfway down the straight, you, you switch back to live, you know. So mm. that's just my go. I, you know, like you said, you, you just look at turnover. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Menangle's turnovers, all that crash hot, you know. I, I just don't know. But uh, as long as we get a track, actually, Chris, that'll yeah. be best. Wayne, we'll it's... Work it's on that part. Yeah, it's Steve, Wayne. Just Have you actually driven past the site in question or know anyone that has and just had a look at it in general as to where it's going to be and things like that? No, 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 I haven't. Um, I think we gave the kids 
uh, well, when they were 17 or 18, I think we gave them a... a, uh, a they had a went down there and did a couple of laps or something for their birthdays and that. But no, I haven't. I haven't been down that past their donkey's year. Yeah, you're talking about the car racing, which is adjacent yeah. to where it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about. I haven't been down that area for ages. And, uh, sprint lane or no sprint lane, Wayne? I I, I think people expect the sprint lane now. Um, you've just, you know, it's good and bad. I've, we've won plenty up it and. You know, and then we've been beaten on plenty, you know. Um, it's just the way the racing is. Like, it can, you know, if, if you've got a horse that's not the strongest and you know he's going to get ripped to in, in the front, well, yeah, you hand up, you know. But then the one that crosses you, he might have the same idea where you can be three-pence. But, you know, they, they can still win from three-pence, um, especially at Albion at the moment, like... Um, it's not like you said. It's it's not peak dominated. Well, it's peak dominated because of the speed. Like, if you know, if you're out three and four deep, you're covering an extra. Was it ten meters every meter out? So if you're out three and four deep and they're running home in twenty-seven and a half, like you you got to be breaking twenty, nearly low twenty-sixes, mm. and you can't make ground. So. You know, defence is definitely the way to be, especially when they're running time. That's why the cam has got to be perfect, hasn't it, this new facility? Yeah, everything's got to be there, you know. Like, I mean, you know, we've been running midfield and you think, oh, geez, they've gone ordinary. And then you look up their sectionals. They're running home in 54 and a half themselves. But the trouble is where they've drawn, they're back in the field and the leaders are running home and, yeah, the low 54s or even 55s, you still can't make that ground up on them, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just the way that the racing is, you know. Um, it's just speed and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, one horse I wanted to ask about this morning before I talk about the weekend's runners, uh, my dad said, how do you rate this horse? Undecided. <laughs> He's been he here, looked but... good when he first up, though. Yeah, I yeah he come up. Oh, he's been up here forever. I he um, he had one start and he won at um, Albury, I think it was. Um, he led from six, which is pretty hard going down at Albury on that small track, and he won. And then um, yeah, they they sent him up because like where he was going to be racing, they said like you were going to be taking on the Stewart horses and everything. They said it's just too hard, so they sent him up and. He's only a little weedy fella, and uh, we give him a couple of months off and brought him up, and he was ready to trial, and I don't know, he did something to his leg in the yard overnight, so he was out in the paddock for a month, and then we brought him back, and he was just about ready to trial, and then he got a cold, and most of the others we had colds. They had for week 10 days. Well, he copped it for about three weeks, and... Uh, I said to the owner, so I'm just about out of gutful of him and I haven't even got him to the track, you know. But uh, he finally got there this time and, yeah, I, I um, he trialled quite reasonable and, you know, sort of Shane drove him and like when he, the other day when he won on him, I, uh, he took off a fair way from home and I thought, God, you know, I don't know if he's quite ready for that, but um, I went, I, he's a trier, Chris. You know, he really does try. I, I don't know if he's got a high speed, but um, I'll give him one thing. He's uh, 
there won't be a horse out there that doesn't put in as as good as him. You know, mm-hmm. he's um, yeah, he's just a great little trier. So they yeah, always come through. But no, he was quite. I was quite happy with him the other day. You know, so yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. yeah, I find out. You know, when you they all look good at that speed, Chris. But you know, you know darn well they're, they're going to have to get down under the fifty-five or you know. They have to be like they're two year olds, well, they're nearly three anyway. But um, yeah, like a lot of them look good going around that 56 mark. And then when you've got to get down another second or two, that's that's when we'll find out. But um, yeah. no, like I said, he, he's, a, he's a great little trier and, and he's a real willing worker. So you know, I, look, I don't mind that. Right on. Uh- a double last Saturday night with the two mares, Lucky Nutter dancing at the bead. They're both going to back up on Saturday night. Just on Lucky Nutter firstly, she's raised one number one. Has she exceeded your expectations when she first arrived from New South Wales? Yes, yeah, she, she has. Um, actually, Shane was supposed to get them, but he didn't have room. And uh, so he said to me, he said, oh, you take them. And uh, I said, oh, what do you think? And he said, no, they'll be all right. And... Uh, so they're sort of New South Wales, this national rating, um, like Sydney's, they're sort of racing nearly open company, those horses, and, you know, they're not up to it. And I thought they'd win their, you know, most of them with any ability will win their quali. Um, and then, you know, yeah, they might win their band five and then they'll, they will struggle, you know. But, um, no, she, she surprised me, but, She's a bit the same, Chris. Like, she's a just an honest old girl. Um, always tries. Um, yeah, just gives everything she's got, you know. So, you know, like, when she draws, like, the other week, she only, she ran fifth, but Shane was out sort of three deep from about the 500. Well, they went 52. Well, the poor old girl can't do it, you know. So, it was a big, big drop back the other night, I thought. Um she was back to her own sex. Um, she's getting a smidgen more gate speed. Um, like, yeah, she's not the quickest out, but um, she's getting a little bit. At uh, like, she, she hops and bops around the last corner. She gets on the knee a bit, but um, she's always one of those when the, when she straightens up and balances up. Um, you know, she puts in. So, yeah, no, she's she's. I like the old girl, you know. She's just an honest old girl and pleasant to do anything with. Okay. Can they repeat both mares on Saturday night? <laughs> oh, they'll they'll be there, Chris. Like they're both they're both racing well. Like dancing to the beach, she's the one that sort of shocked me because um yeah, I, I, I must admit when I first got her I, I did give the owner a mouthful for even buying her. because um, he, he watched the trial. And uh, I watched the trial, and I thought, oh, it didn't go too bad. And he said, no, not that one. It was the other one. And uh, I watched it, and I said, and you still bought it? And he said, yeah, yeah. And I went, oh, right So <clears throat> it's myself and another well-known driver who both said that it'd never win a race. So, yeah, pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, she's won six or seven, or maybe eight. I'm not real sure, but anyway. We have been known to be wrong before. <laughs> hey, tell me this before I let you go. Uh, currently, 
two best free-for-allers in the state right now, both prepared by your son, Shane. So he's got Mac Da Vinci and, and uh, Turn It Up. It's a nice one-two combo. What would you give to have Glen Ferry Hood back in action right now? I'd love to have him about another two seconds quicker to be uh, to be stay with him, Chris. You know, like, he, he was by far my, yeah, favourite, one of my favourite old horses, you know, but um, like the best he could, best he could sort of do was probably fifty-two. I, I, I think he went his far. I think he might have broke fifty-two when he's about a ten-year-old. Might have been his last win, um, but they've just gone faster, Chris. You know, um, yeah. He was a great old pony in his time, but uh, yeah, you just got to be that little bit quicker now. Um, you know where he he could burn off the gate. Um, and and he was always a little bit sort of sus, I suppose. But um, yeah, just these horses now, like within the last what, two years, he's been retired or something. Like they've just gone to another level, haven't they? Yeah, and it's like yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, yeah, you know, like I said, and and it's everyone's on about speed, but I mean, it, it's it's not the be all and end all sort of thing. Like I mean. You just do the best you can with what you've got, with the speed they've got, you know. But um, yeah, no, like you said, they're they're just two nice horses, um, you know, and, and and they're going well. The, <coughs> it, it's just barrier draw now with those a lot of those horses, you know. There's not much mm. between them and you know those two or three of Pete's, um, you know. Like you said, it's and and it was the same. Like I mean. I think with old Colt 31, you know, like just before Grant retiring, like he hadn't slowed up that much, but it was it was just getting darn hard, you know. There's, yeah. there's always young ones coming through the through the ranks. Yep, you know? absolutely. Hey Wayne, really appreciate the time. We'll see you in action uh, today and across the weekend. No worries, Chris. Thanks for that. Wayne Graham joining us this morning. 28-7 the next quarter. Leverage over. Mighty Ronaldo swooping up out wide. Jumping Jack Mackers back in the centre. Then Stamford and Fimbara is coming from a long way back in the straight. Leverage in front. Mighty Ronaldo and jumping Jack Mack. They're trying their heart out. Leverage in front. He has got a heart as big as himself. He's strong. He's good and he races away. Leverage won brilliantly from... That was three runs ago. He's beaten twice since, but he goes around tomorrow night. Chris at Gloucester. Matt Young's with us. Yep. This is going to be a fascinating race, the Group 1 Golden Nugget. Matty, good morning. Good morning, boys. How does this race play out? Uh, it's a very good question you ask, Chris. Um, I'm not 100% sure. It's uh, The barrier draw has made things very interesting. You've got Finn Varen, one who, excuse me, he's never really been pushed off the arm uh, hard, so if there is a challenge... In that race, how does he get away? It's uh, it's a start point where it can slingshot horses from out wider. Does Penny Tiger have a crack and try and cross? He nearly crossed in the WA Derby from barrier eight. Uh, so we know he's got the speed. You've got um, Mighty Ronaldo drawn in gate three. He's not a horse that normally get used, uh, gets used off the gate. So... Where does he log? Does the speed really suit him? I think it could suit him. Gary Hall Jr. electing to drive him ahead of Jumping Jack Mack. That's another horse, Jumping Jack Mack. Well, what do they do with him? They've been driving him with a sit and coming with one run in that last 1,000 metres, and he's been working. Uh, he's been racing outstanding. Labra Joe, 
as uh, you play the replay there. He's got brilliant gate speed from gate number four. Can he work his way to the top? There's just so many questions, and uh, I don't really have the answers to them at the moment. It's just all speculation. And, and bring us up to speed. Uh, Stewie McDonald suspended. He appealed the suspension. Unsuccessful, though? Yeah, unsuccessful. He um, They had the hearing on Tuesday and then deliberated until yesterday and then uh, his decision was uh, basically dismissed and uh, he is going to serve his two weeks' time. So uh, that is really sad news for Stuart McDonald who's come over and he's been doing a really good job driving in super form and uh, his uh, drives on Jumping Jack Mac have been really good. So he'll be really uh, disappointed in missing the drive and the golden nugget on one of the serious players. Okay. Now, just on this race tomorrow night, a couple of weeks ago on that four-year-old classic, you said Penny Tiger, and he was drawn the inside of the second row. Last week, you tipped the Zana, and he started favourite, scored easily. But he's drawn the same gate as what Penny Tiger did when he won that four-year-old classic. If Finvara holds up, is the Zana any sort of chance here? Is he a knockout chance? Uh, look, uh, last week's run with the Zana was a little bit... Uh, can be a little bit confusing. Uh, he was able to control and uh, he didn't look overly impressive even though he broke 56 for his last half but he just sort of seems to go that way. He's a bit of a funny horse. He's got a decent turn of foot and it's a nice draw for him but he's never run over the trip and I just think he might be a cog below the better four-year-olds in the state. So although he has a good draw and he could get a really good run, he might even miss leaders back position uh, if there is a, a hard burnout because he can go a little bit hop and skip early so um, yeah I'm, I'm nowhere near as confident on Nazana as I was Penny Tiger that's for sure Okay, and I suppose history will tell us but this field in comparison to previous years with the Golden Nugget how does it rate for you? Yeah it's right up there I think uh, the talents out of this field we're going to see um, horses come on from this race pretty strongly uh, over the, the coming 12 months and into the Pacing Cup and Fremantle Cup ranks and Grand Circuit ranks. So I think there's plenty of talent there. There's a lot of really nice horses, but uh, I think there's about three or four that I can see taking that step up and being our future fast-class horses and uh, being able to carry the baton for WA. OK, well, that's a tough one, the Golden Nugget. Where do we find your best bet tomorrow night? Look, I found the meeting to be a bit short and sweet, potentially. Uh, I'm going with race two, number one, Stanford. We tipped him on the show a few weeks ago and he broke my heart when El Chema got out and beat him late. But I think, yeah, this is a much easier field. I'm not sure on the prices on a few of these horses that I do like tomorrow. I think they're all going to be a little bit on the shorter side. But uh, I do believe Stanford will win. So race two, number one, Stanford. And uh, I'm probably going to have something on Penny Tiger again in the Golden Nugget just because he you owes me to. nothing. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> Why not? Why not? And just on the free-for-alls last week, magnificent storm off that freshen up. Uh, he was brilliant. The gate speed is the key thing with him. Uh, it looks like it's getting better and better. So that's an ominous warning to his rivals as we get closer to the cuts. Yeah, look, uh, I was a bit of a knock on him last week and where he was going to get to, but Eldo uh, hit him on the rump and he showed blinding gate speed. He got to the top and, look, his last two runs have showed uh, showed so much talent and how good this horse is. And so uh, you have a look at it and you go, well, he's a horse that was sort of getting 
picked on a little bit and uh, trying to make his runs and they were just dashing a quarter and really killing him down the back straight to uh, the leaders wouldn't be winning but it would be something else that would get out and win but now they're driving him so assertively and uh, he has become a very feared horse again because he has all the ability in the world and He's really stepped up and shown that he is the real deal and he is the one to mess with uh, and the one to be feared going towards the pacing cup. Okay, the free-for-all tomorrow night, Prince of Pleasure, likely to run favourite. How did you assess him last week, first go at the open class level? Yeah, that was his second run at open class. His first up was a second behind Gambit, and I uh, thought that run appeared a little bit disappointing, but he was three wide, no, uh, three wide with cover over 2,500 for the first time and he just wanted to hang a little bit and there was a gear change made and then last week he drew nine over a mile which is nearly impossible but his performance was really strong and uh, it wasn't a bad effort at all. It's 2,500 metres tomorrow. I'm a little concerned on where he's going to get to. I think Hampton Banner can burn across and lead this field, and I think it's a race in two. Prince of Pleasure has more than one way he can win this race, so I think that's probably what leans uh, a lot of people towards him, where Hampton Banner is uh, all in. He needs to lead, in my opinion, to be able to win the race. So um, it's all or nothing at the start. But I think it'll be a great battle, great tactical battle too with Gary Hall Jr., and Prince of Pleasure, but I would just have him just in, a, in on top ahead of Hampton Banner. Okay. And just whilst we're talking about open-class horses, there's a few that I wanted to ask about. Hurricane Harley, has he left Perth and headed back to Melbourne? He has. He has. He's uh, apparently been on the flight back uh, to the eastern state, so he has uh, gone home um, after it's a, what's been a little bit of a disappointing uh a stint here in WA, he just wasn't able to find his niche and um, he was exposed. His weaknesses were exposed pretty quickly by a lot of people over here and then uh, then they just weren't able to give him those uh, soft sort of runs that he needed. Okay, and Rock and Roll Link and a former WA Pacing Cup winner and a stablemate of Hurricane Harley, also from Justin Prentice's yard, has he now been retired? Yeah, he's been retired. It's uh, really, really sad news. They um, they were very persistent in trying to uh, persevere and get this horse back to uh, the racetrack and to the point where it was actually a second emergency for a free-for-all race just out of the blue, uh, which wasn't really uh, reported on and just sort of slipped under the radar a little bit. But uh, since that nomination, he has not been able to make a full comeback to the track and we haven't seen him nominated since, and so it's very disappointing, uh, but he's had a great career, and uh, he holds that pacing cup in good stead as one of the better horses that's won a pacing cup in recent years, and he had speed to burn. So, um, yeah, very very sad to see him be retired, but uh, he's had a great career, and the owners are going to love him forever for that. Yeah, absolutely. He was a, a very good horse. Hey, Matty, as always, really appreciate it. Uh, the tip, race two, number one, Stanford, a GP tomorrow night. Enjoy Golden Nugget Night tomorrow night. It looks a fascinating contest. Cheers, boys. Thank you.